Hi, this is Rick. I hope you're well. The episode you're about to listen to has content that is not suitable for children and may be disturbing for some adults. Though we've done our best to remove and minimize swearing, there is still child abuse, drug and alcohol use, threats of violence, as well as other situations that would be inappropriate for a young audience. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, Divorce Recovery Stories. I'm Rick. I hope you're well. And we are back with Kira. And we're going to finish up our, our conversation here. Part two. Um, part two. Yeah. So uh, you just got done telling us about the breaking point, which was pretty awful. <laughs> there, I mean, the whole thing was pretty bad. It sounds like yeah. there was no time that was really better than another, um, yeah. especially where you came into the marriage really mostly out of practicality lowness yeah just lowness in my life honestly yeah so it wasn't so much out of love as it was like it just made sense yeah or or yeah right for uh the finances and for tax breaks and and because you didn't want to be alone so funny because we didn't actually get any tax breaks every year we ended up paying thousands of dollars in taxes oh so that didn't even work out anyway Oh, it didn't even work out. So it was like, I was just broker and miserable. <laughs> it's like, this sucks. If, if you weren't married now, just to be 100% clear, would yeah. you prefer to have stayed married and in that relationship? Honestly, no. I mean, he did. I mean, he did divorce me before I even met my current husband. I don't think that that would have really had anything to do with it. When I left, I really didn't have an intention of like, permanently leaving him some people can make that work you know some people are like we just needed some space apart and needed to do some rediscovery and come back and it's better so at that point where you you separated and you're now living separately yeah and you were separated for seven days and then he asked you are you going to leave me and then he files for divorce so from then on no contact not necessarily no so we did have contact and it was for silly reasons i I still had my pigeon coop at his house that's all i wanted so i was like dude you don't want this five foot by ten foot pigeon coop you like i have my birds you don't need it i was like why don't you take it apart and i'll come and load it up into my truck and that'll be that and I showed up and he didn't take it apart. And so I had to stay there and take it apart. And he helped me. I air quotes there. He helped me. But really, he just sat there and was just like, oh, I just like realize everything I've done wrong here. Yeah, you know, I, you know, my grandma called me and she's like, oh my gosh, I heard you're getting divorced. And he's like, yeah, I picked the prettiest flower in the, in the whole, you know, field of wildflowers and I didn't nurture it. And I was like, well, you got that right. Pretty so much. he was like, regretful. Yeah, for sure. And then he started telling me about all the things that he was going to do differently. And I was like, okay, but you've already started divorcing me. So, and he's like, well, I can stop. And I was like, mm, no, let's like, so we sat down and we ended up just having a talk for a minute. And 
I was like, here's what I need you to understand is you did, you quit on me. You completely quit on me. I was not okay at most of these points. And I did end up telling him, I said, you were just downright abusive, dude. I said, and I'm not like, I can't trust that you're going to change because every time you said you were going to change before you didn't, we, you know, we really just kind of laid out all the cards. We laid out all the cards and we're like, this is the reality of the situation. And I was like, why don't I be fair to you? And instead of in my, cause I was feeling real angry at the moment. I was like, man, I was supposed to just come here and pick up my coop and go home and relax. You made me do work, man. That was a lot of work. And he, he was trying to tell me, he's like, oh yeah, I finally did the things. I got the appraisal. They, they're going to, you know, grant me the right to rebuild the house. And he's like, sorry, that's not helping. And I was like, no, that's not helping to be like, oh, you left. So now I'm going to pursue the dream that you wanted. I'm like, no, that doesn't help. No, that's worse. That makes me angry. Don't do that. And so, yeah, I told him, I was like, here, I'll be fair. I'll be fair to you. I said, I'll sleep on it. I'll sleep on it. And I'll let you know what I think in the morning. I said, okay. Then I didn't change my mind. I felt the same way. I was like, no, you, dude, you quit on me. I'm done. Like I was miserable. You quit on me. So no. And so. Well, it sounds like went, you were both pretty miserable. I think he was far less miserable than I was. No way. I mean, okay. I'm not denying that you were miserable, not by any stretch of the imagination, just the story you told me. I think you'd have to be pretty thick to think that you weren't unhappy. <laughs> but generally, when somebody's getting that drunk regularly, having these okay, rage episodes, cool. and yeah. as I've thought about some of the things that you said earlier, for example, the the thing with the photo shoot that you did, I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, this person obviously had feeling fond feelings for you and they said they were okay with it, but mm -hmm. clearly they were not. Yeah. Right. And they held that in for all that time until it eventually exploded. And I can't imagine that was the only thing like that. Yeah. Right. Generally, when there are things like that, it's it's not just one. Most people, the way you do one thing tends to be the way you do a lot of things. Yeah. Right. So I'm guessing there were a number of things like that. So I have a hard time believing that he was happy. Okay. I really yeah. do. Not to say that you weren't doing things for him. My goodness, the the situation you describe living in squalor basically and then mm -hmm. you're coming in you're fixing the house you're cleaning you're cooking meals you're doing all these things that's yeah. that's a benefit right yeah. it just still seems like maybe he had plenty of his own baggage and i think a lot a lot of men are not good at recognizing when a relationship needs to end i yeah. think that's not to be sexist but i think women are better at that and that's no, why that's, women yeah, tend to do more of the dumping. Yeah. You know? And the sure. situation you describe should have been over way before. I don't think it should have been marriage in the first place. Personally, again, everything happened the way that it did for a reason. Because if I wouldn't have been with him, I wouldn't have met the people that I met that ultimately ended up connecting me to my current husband. 
you know, and that's, that's its own segment of things anyway. But yeah, I think it all happened the way that it needed to happen. And I think I went through what I went through so that I could come into a different relationship and differenter. So differently different. That's true. Because if you had been a lot of the things that you brought up on your end, I imagine that if you had gone into your relationship now, the same way you went into your first marriage, it probably wouldn't be going as well as it is. Yeah. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) I agree with that. And yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy, honestly. Obviously, there's a lot of positives and a lot of growth Mm -hmm. uh, that, that came from it. And you've described a lot of it, and we're and I want to go into it more. Uh, but just so it's clear, what are some of the negatives that came from the end of that relationship? Oh, that's a really good question. Honestly, I would say there's there is a lot of emotional trauma. I do still have to work through those things. I do still periodically have nightmares about him. Um, when you say periodically, like once so a week, once a birth, month. Well, for the first while that I was um, like in the process of getting divorced, I was having nightmares about him like every night. And and you were having those while you were married as well. Yeah, I was totally having nightmares about him while I was married too. So, I mean, like that wasn't that different, but it does maybe it makes you kind of like, what's going on here? Um, and then, yeah, it was probably like six months, six months in, I started having more nightmares about him. And I was with my current husband at that point. And I was like, I don't know, this is kind of weird. And I don't really want to tell you this, but I'm having these like nightmares about my ex-husband. Periodically now it's no, like it's every couple of months, but it is kind of interesting because I will have dreams and I've only physically seen him one time since we've been divorced completely. He didn't see me. At least I don't think so because I ran. And even into like my current relationship, still to this day, sometimes my current spouse will say something. He'll say something. Then I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm triggered. And and it's hard because, you know, you can't escape being triggered. Like you're, you're gonna get triggered. Um, you're responsible for how you handle that. Sometimes I'm really good about it. And sometimes I'm really not that good about it. It depends on the severity, honestly. And just to be clear, that relationship ended in about two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So two years ago, and you're still having nightmares, and it sounds like emotional and triggers here and there. Yeah, definitely. And when you say triggers, are we triggering? You said sadness. Is it is it only sadness? Is it anger? Is it anxiety? So it's it's mostly sadness and anger. Um, but it'll be, you know, my current spouse will say something and it's not meant in any kind of shape, way or form. And it sometimes isn't even something that like my ex would have said to me, you know, fortunately he's not the kind of spouse of like, you need to talk to me right now. You know, he knows I need to process this. And I feel like I'm pretty good at giving him that too, but he gives me the space to process it. And so I'll be working through it. And then usually we'll be in like the shower or something and I'll be like, okay, I'm ready. And this is how I'm feeling. And this is how, when you said this, it kind of made me feel this way. And I'm responsible for this part of the feelings. And maybe let's just try and reword it or say it a different way. And 
he and I work together and we hug it out and it's all great, but it is, it's still very much triggering. If the day I saw him, it was immediate anxiety. Like my heart was just like, and I'm, I'm always scared. I'm going to see him. I have him blocked on like everything. I have him blocked on completely everything. I want to say it was right after my husband and I moved into this house, which was just a little over a year ago. Um, he messaged me on Pinterest. Pinterest. Was the I didn't only even know you I, could message on Pinterest. The only thing I didn't have him blocked on. He was trying at that point. <laughs> he freaking he messages me and he's like, "How's it going?" and says my full name and I'm like, uh, "I'm fine. I'm remarried with three kids." And he's, you know, he just said, "Congratulations. Good for you." And I was like, "Yes, it is." Block. And that was it. And then I tell oh, man, I keep running into his family. Oh, that's Ooh, annoying. I'm glad yeah. I'm not running into him. I feel like he kind of, it still haunts me. Because, you know, it's, I feel like, especially when there is like any form of like abuse involved, you do, you question so much. Um, he was very narcissistic. He definitely caused me to question my reality. A lot. Gaslighting. Of Oh, he gaslighted the business out of me. And so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely in, in most like abuse cases, they're like, oh, well, you know, like he or she really loved me. And did I make the right choice? You know? And so, yeah, it's just, I feel like there is that level of haunting and just like, oh, did I make the right choice? But I think that that's just a, it's a symptom of the trauma because you are so used to questioning your reality that you don't know whether or not you've made a good decision and you start to question yourself and your own reality. Well, there's one thing that you said that I thought, I, I think this is, I guess, just Rick's rant. <laughs> one of the worst pieces of marriage advice that I ever got. And I th I still think this is one of the worst pieces of marriage advice that anybody ever gives is don't go to bed angry. Yeah. And Sometimes I, you sleep. Yes. Yes. You do. Like when you're, you're just trying to work out a problem while you're tired now. That's awful. The idea of, no, we need to sit down and talk about this right now and get to the bottom of it right now. No, maybe you're not ready for it because you're pissed off. Maybe I'm not ready for it because you just ambushed me with it. And maybe I had a bad day at work. You know, who knows? Like yeah. that's honestly the worst piece of marriage advice I ever got. And I, I won't say who it was because it was someone pretty close to me, <laughs> but I think that's, that's one of the worst things that we perpetrate on, on newlywed couples or uh, yeah. is this idea that, oh yeah, let's have it out right now. No, that is just not great. Not that's great advice at all. So funny that you say that. Cause um, I gave someone some marriage advice on like one of the card things at their oh, at wedding. weddings. Yeah. Yeah. When um, I was still currently married to my ex it was sometimes you do have to go to sleep angry but if you wake up still angry then you need to solve that problem well yeah it's it's not saying that you forget about the problem right yeah. you still need to address it but maybe don't address it when you're both tired when you're both irritable and maybe don't ambush each other with it right yeah. like maybe it's just hey this is a concern can we set us like you said earlier can we when when would be a good time to talk about this 
Yeah, when can we schedule right. I'm I'm a scheduler though. And some people aren't. It really bothers some people. I'm like, no, it needs to be in my calendar, please. Well, because I think some people are more emotional than others. And it's like, my emotions need to be addressed right now. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute. That means that my well-being is being held hostage to your emotions. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, emotions I think, a passing. kind way of putting it. Yeah, emotions are passing. Well-being should be uh, pretty stable, not passing. Right. Exactly. Yeah has your it sounds like you've cut them off completely but has your former spouse remarried or do you know at all i have no idea i have no cares gotcha just completely um, cut it off and i do you know i wish the best for him i really do and i understand i can understand that just because somebody is abusive towards one person doesn't mean they're an abuser to all there are people who are abusers to all and those people suck i'm sure that he could be with another person and he can be happy and he can be a good spouse. And I hope he is. I hope that he learned all of the good from, you know, our relationship and all of the, then took the lessons from all the bad instead of being like, well, I guess I'll just never do better. And was like, well, okay, well, I didn't nurture this woman. The next one I'm going to do better. And that's all you can hope for, you know, for someone. And so, yeah, I've never... Um, I can't say never. Um, I don't often wish ill upon him. You um, try not to wish ill upon him. It I'm like... trying. To, <laughs> I am trying to personally grow and develop. I am healing. Yeah, a lot of that is like you know, just never condemning anyone. I remember having this dream about my my ex wife, and she was very happy, and she was with these other people, and she was playful, and it was the version of her that I had always been able to see. And I remember in that dream, seeing her with other people and realizing she is absolutely 100% able to be that person. She's just not able to be that person with me. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the devil. Okay. It's just sometimes you can't put two things together. Some things just don't go together. Yeah. And that applies to people too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a sad thing. So, you know, you, we wish them the best, right. Yeah. And hopefully they grow and we grow and we move forward and there's no reason we all have to be unhappy. Yeah. I want to say it's, um, some people are like con conductors and some people are catalysts. Is that, I could see I, that. Is that right? You know, like some people like kind of put a stop to the flow of energy for others. And some people bring out the flow of energy in others. Um, and yeah, like I, I could be a conductor for several humans and be the person who stops the energy for 3000 people, you know? So yeah, I hear, yeah, I definitely hear you there. It's not a, it's not a question of character. She can't be that with me. Just maybe your, your energies don't yeah. flow. <laughs> so coming back to this, to, to the separation, especially yeah. where, it sounds like you've had interaction with some of his extended family and it sounds like you guys have a lot of the same friends maybe even or what honestly no um no really no there's a few people that i message on like facebook who i met kind of inadvertently through him i worked with them and they happened to be like childhood friends oh okay 
And I think one of like one of my biggest problems too with um, the separation was I am I am a pretty public person. You know, if somebody asks me, I will be outright. I am not a social media poster. Three minutes after he sent me the text of, are you going to start your new life or not? And I said, I guess I am because you're not giving me the time and space. He posted it all over Facebook. He posted all over Facebook and told all of his friends who, I mean, I was friends with his friends. Not like I was going to die without them, though. So I did. I really, I just dropped everybody. And that actually leads me to the my next question is, what kind of things have been said about you? I have no idea. Um, actually, no, there is one. There is one that I knew that I know now. And it kind of cracked me up when I heard it. Um, because I'm starting to get really close again with someone who um, their dad lives across the street from him. And I'm starting to get close with him and his uh, girlfriend again. And um, they just said like, hey, because they see, they still see him on a regular basis. They were just like, yeah, hey, we never like figured out what happened. And they're like, we don't really care. You know, we're still friends with both of you guys. But yeah, we never really figured out what happened. I was like, oh, yeah, that's just, it's quite a story. You know, and I, I never put him down to his friends. I wasn't going around town being like, my ex is an abuser. You know, like I, he was a good friend to his friends. And so I was going to let them continue to be friends. But yeah, so I just didn't, you know, I didn't really say anything. And he goes, yeah, I guess he told, um, I guess you could call it like my friend's stepmom. <laughs> told her, told his stepmom. Oh yeah, she just wanted a family and I wasn't ready for that. And I was like, um, no, I never wanted a family. Like we used to high five every month that I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> and I wish I was exaggerating. It was literally like, woo, not pregnant, high five. And I'm so glad I did not have children with him. But I I didn't want kids ever. I actually like all my friends, especially now with three kids instafam um and currently pregnant they're all like what <laughs> but yeah i was like he's out here. like he told people that i wanted a family like no i ended up with a family and it's everything i ever wanted that i had no idea that i wanted i didn't even know that but yeah anyway i just thought that was dumb <laughs> you know that's actually a great example of what we were saying earlier like you didn't want a family in that situation right with yeah. that person yeah. That doesn't mean, and now here you are, you have instant three kids and another one on the way. And you mm -hmm. are, I mean, this is going to be hard to convey by audio, but you're a very happy, bubbly person. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you're, you're clearly very, well, I obviously don't know every detail of your life, but to me, you seem like a happy person. And the interactions I've had with you have been very happy yeah. and positive. Yeah. And so it's like one of those things, like, you know, sometimes you put two things together and it's like, it's just not going to work. Yeah. But here you are, different situation, different environment. You've yeah. done some growth, you know, with somebody new and yeah, all about it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Okay. So let that be a lesson to anyone listening. You know, the end of a relationship is not the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the only thing I've heard. So I was, but that's the only person I've really been in contact with. Otherwise, 
you know. Maybe that's another lesson is, you know, cut out completely, right? Start over. Don't try to do the whole alienating from friends and reputation destruction and fighting over who did what. Like, no, just break, start new. Same break, yep. Two-page divorce decree it's for the win. As after that, because now you you were staying with a friend or with a, no, no, uh, at a trailer or at so, a trailer with a friend. Yeah. So immediately after I was staying with a friend's family member in, a, in their trailer, which it was like a camper outside of their house. So it wasn't like a, you know, like a mobile home, but it was like somewhere he didn't know. And I stayed there for seven days. And then as soon as he filed, I was like, cool. All right. I can move somewhere. And I ended up moving in with that friend who helped me. And that ended up being a pretty wacky situation in and of itself, because that friend became the female version of my ex-husband. And I ended up in the same pattern. So I was like sacrificing all of myself and my sanity for this person. And they were just putting me down all the time and backing me into a corner. Let that be a lesson that they people like that come in all shapes and forms and genders yeah and again (laughs) that was the friend who was that was the friend who was with me when he pulled a knife to my throat too and so you know they had seen like that and they had heard some of the story like horror stories and stuff because uh, they were my boss and so I'd come to work after crying myself to sleep on the couch after a massively abusive night and uh just have to you know Hey, so this is kind of heavy. This happened to me last night and uh, just needed to get that off my chest. And I would literally shake it off and go to work. And that's how I handled that every day. So after, after the separation, where were you able to find support? very good question um couldn't have been no one because i mean uh, granted maybe that relationship with that friend wasn't great but you did have a friend who was able to hook you up with a family member and get a trailer i mean sometimes it's friends sometimes it's organizations sometimes it's hobbies you know what what kind of things helped you through that honestly it was hobbies was a big one hobbies i really got mad back into painting again in that time and i would i would recluse in my room And that's weird for me. And I was very depressive and reclusive and I didn't want to be around anybody because I felt like, I felt like I was at a point in my life where I was starting to realize that all of my like closest friends, quote, 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 were abusers. They were all like my abusers. (laughs) And I felt very victim. I was, you know, I was out here like, man, I've really just been letting people mistreat me for all this time. And I started just cutting people off. I was like, no, no, not doing it. And I did, I had one pillar of sunshine. We will call them Jojo. And she is fantastic. And I still, she is my mini me and I love her so much. (laughs) And she was, she was my ray of sunshine and she's actually 100% the person who helped me break that victim abuse headspace enough to get out of the house to meet my husband she was the one who was my energy conductor she flowed me and got me out of the house because 
I was not doing, I was like, no. And it's funny because she was normally the depressive one that I had to come rescue from the basement because she lived in the same house with that same friend. So she lived in the very basement in her own apartment. The friend lived in the middle section and I lived in the very top, like massive house. And we were just three single gals out here killing it for a week, <laughs> all freshly. <laughs> all freshly broken up, all freshly, you know. So we were like, yeah, we're going to create a tribe of warrior women's. We didn't. Um, the, <laughs> the band broke up. Um, but I held, I held my mini me very close to me and um, as close as I could at the time, because it was two days after I met my husband, she moved to Missouri. Oh. So I had to say bye to my mini me and then I've had my husband and you know my grandma my grandma was a pillar of light for me too I had told her because I mean just she's a grandma she knows everything and so I'd gone to her a few times throughout the marriage and just been like am I doing this thing right am I, am I messed up what's like what am I doing and um she would just cry for me she would just cry for me. And when I finally told her that I was thinking about leaving, but I wasn't quite sure. Um, I don't, I, if she could, I'm sure she would have been up doing a happy dance at the moment, but she couldn't. So she was just like, was expecting kind of like a Charlie and the chocolate factory kind of like, woo. Um, but yeah, I think she was really like one of my biggest pillars and, um, you know, my, my mom wasn't really, and my dad wasn't really, I mean, they were like, oh, yay, your first divorce kind of thing. <laughs> that's right. Because they'd had their own. And, and yeah. by this point, they've had a, a couple, it sounds like. So... Honestly, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I'm not going to do this thing. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I swore um, as like at, through that separation phase, I was like, man, A, I'm never getting married again. Never. I'm, I'm not going to do what my parents did. I watched them do failed marriage after failed marriage after failed marriage or failed serious, serious relationship that, you, you know, I would also constitute as some level of marriage. Um, Cause I don't feel like you have to, you know, stamp forehead married um, for it to be. I feel like some of those serious relationships can be even more detrimental than like marriage relationships. So yeah I mean I just watched all of it like fail so I was like man the next person I meet is gonna have to be pretty freaking outstanding so <laughs> I was I was feeling spicy so you mentioned earlier shadow work now I I'm not familiar with that can you can you walk me through what that is yes so essentially in like I'm sure you've like been in an interaction with somebody where you, you know, like you feel light, you know, meeting them. Okay. So you want to be, you want to be the light when you're in the room, not when you leave the room. You know what I mean? You, it's about becoming a more positive force. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like when I walk into a room of people, I don't want them to feel heavy. I want them to feel light. And I'm sure you've felt people that they come around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, like, oh, I feel just heavy. Oh, like, I was that, that guy for a long time. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to fix myself pretty bad to get out of that one. Well, yeah. And so essentially what shadow work is, is it's energetically going into your body and finding the dark places and healing from the dark places. So I endured a lot of sexual abuse as a child. From the step-parents? Allegedly from one of the step-parents, um, but no, mostly um, either strangers or boyfriends. And so, yeah, there, I mean, there was a lot going on there. I mean, like losing my virginity was a sexual abuse story and I was 12. And so I had to go and heal that because that was dark and that really was affecting, you know, who I am as a person today. Still, my friend who put on this program where I was starting to do that shadow work, I actually had a sit down with her that was almost kind of like a hypnotherapy type session. And essentially to do this kind of shadow work, what I had to do was I had to go back to that situation. And I had to recall as much of that situation as I possibly could. All like what it looked like, what it felt like from beginning to end. I had to just walk through the whole thing. I had to be there for myself. And I had to be the adult in that, um, you know, that the younger version of me needed and to give myself love and um, affection and hold space and tell me that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault that that had happened to me. That's shadow work. <laughs> and it's, it's deep and it's dark and um, feeling that love that I was able to provide for myself doesn't make it this bright shiny rainbow now but it's not so dark I've allowed to I've allowed some light into that situation where it's not so detrimental to my psyche you know so you started doing that when you were still married it's a it's sometime in the last few months you were married yeah and that's when you started to recover from things and you started to like you said take back your life yeah yeah that's there's something there I think that that bears maybe spending a moment on this idea that these awful things happen to us oftentimes when we're helpless or, or at least when we're not properly equipped to handle them mm -hmm. and leaving us. I don't know if victim's the right word, but that's the best word I have at the moment. So let's say it leaves us a victim and maybe leaves us scarred and traumatized. And the fact is no one's going to come make that better. You have to do that yourself. If that situation happened at a time when you were helpless or unprepared or a child, now later, as an adult or as a person who's better equipped, who's grown, who's better prepared, you can now say, yeah, that happened and that hurt. I'm not that same person anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? In your case, mm -hmm. maybe saying, I'm not 12 anymore. You couldn't get away with that with me now. Right. And I, and I love the way that you put that and you do, you pose an excellent point because it is, it's not, oh, so what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Okay. It's not that. And I'm really sick of hearing people saying that. I mean, like, yeah, it made you who you are today, but don't wear it like a badge of honor. 
you know, it's not, it's not a badge of honor to strut around and it's not a joke. I really do think that you just nailed it right on the head there. It's just like you, you have the capability to look back on it and be like, yes, that happened. I was there for that, but now I know more and I'm in control of whether or not that happens again. And I wish people more look like look more people looked at it like that, because right. on, that's that's where the power comes in. Power isn't it made me stronger. No, power is I can control whether or not that happens to me again. You hit this stage where you were of the mindset, I'm never going to do this again. Yep, I'm never going to try it. I saw my parents failed marriages on both sides, a number of them. I've now had my own completely awful experience. Failure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's the mindset that you're in. Yep. How did that translate to and and baby stepping it here? <laughs> how did that translate to okay, I'm open to dating again? Well, the way that I met my husband was completely serendipitous. I had been, again, so remember this uh, roommate I was with was just like a female version of my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. uh, I had helped them move a pool table out of someone's basement in their town home into their current home um, in, in my truck and everything. And um, I was on the bottom and the, I'm going to put air quotes, man was at the, you know, at the upper part and he was dragging the pool table up the stairs, um, dragging it. And I was the one trying to lift it on the bottom. Now I'm strong and I have, I had no problems with it. Um, and I got it loaded up into the car and this, this gal, um, who I'm helping do it is, 90 pounds soaking wet. I mean, she's she's strong, but she was little. And so um, I needed to do the, the, the force there the whole time after we were like loading it up into, into her house and stuff. She was like, oh, you should have just let me do the lifting. You should have just let me do the lifting or before we loaded it up into her house. It's like, you should have just let me do the lifting. Oh, you just manhandled it. You manhandled this pool table that I paid half for, by the way. And I was like, it's fine. It's a pool table. It got dragged on some carpet. We paid a couple hundred bucks for it. You know, it's not like this brand new thousands of dollars kind of like, so I was like, whatever, dude. Then we loaded it into her house and she was like, oh, wow, that thing is really heavy. And I was like, hmm, but no, sorry, no, nothing, no. And then she just passive aggressive, like passive aggressively ignored me for the rest of the day. And I had been invited to go to this party that she had also been invited to that my mini me had also been invited to. Um, and it was my mini me's birthday the day before. And so she's like, I'm going. And I told this uh, friend who invited us, I said, no, sorry, can't come. We've got the kids this weekend. And it was because the roommate I live with had her kids that weekend and she wanted help. 
with her kids. And so I was, you know, going to be the wifey and, and help with that. Um, cause I wasn't allowed to go have fun. I actually, um, she was very passive aggressively ignoring me. So I was like, cool. And I took my mini me and I took her to go get a tattoo. She was like, yeah. So I was talking with the friend who invited us and he said, what the heck is she talking about? She doesn't have kids. So she should come to my party. And my friend was like, so yeah, I agree. You should come to this party. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't have crotch goblins. I can do whatever I want. And I that said being it before, a euphemism for children. <laughs> those are verbatim, the words I said. And that's because that's how I felt about it in the moment. Um, I love my children dearly. Um, but I was like, yeah, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm going. And so I went back into the house and I got ready to leave for a party. And I walked out and I looked at her and I was ready to go. She's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going out. Don't wait up. She was there for it. She was listening. So I'll get off the exit. And this car is getting off the exit. And I looked at my friend and I was, I was like, girl, that guy's going to the party. And she's like, you're a psychopath. This is just a dude getting off the exit. What are you talking about? And I'm like, no, no, this dude's going to the party. And she's like, okay. So this car goes to turn up the canyon and we go to get food. So then I go back into Rant Central, go up the canyon, and sure enough, we end up at the gate that goes to this cabin, and lo and behold, it's that car parked at the gate. And I was like, see, I freaking told you. And she's like, oh, that's nuts. And so we didn't have self-service. And so I was like, fine, whatever. Pull up, roll my window down. And I was like, hey, man. He's like, what's up? I'm like, are you here for Tyler? He's like, no. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I guess we're going to a different cabin party. <laughs> and so we turned around and went back down the canyon and we came back up and our friend had come to pick us up from, you know, the gate and got out of the car and was yelling at this guy in this, in this car and wasn't letting him through the gate. He wasn't like angrily like yelling. He was just, you know, hollering, talking to each other. One of them was my like a different former coworker. Um, and he and I had gotten kind of close. He was one of those sad boy hour kind of things. And so yeah, I was just like sitting down with him and I was like, yeah, dude, like I'm freaking getting divorced right now. And he did the whole like, whoa, you guys the heavy were guy at the party, yeah. The perfect couple like whoa whoa and I was like no we really weren't um and so uh yeah I ended up showing our story is not g-rated I'm gonna make it as g-rated as I possibly can it's all like clean words okay um, but the the happenings are not g-rated um we got to know each other biblically so um, anywho, so <laughs> I had ended up showing this girl at the party, um, uh, this picture, cause I had been doing farm work. I ended up wearing a spaghetti strap when I did the farm work. And so one quarter of my body 
was super tan. And then I was tends to happen when you do farm work. I was super white otherwise. And so I had this from behind big mirror picture of me laughing at this freaking tan line on my back. So we were laughing about that. And I forgot that I had it up on my phone. So I go to open my phone for whatever reason. And this picture of me pops up. Uh, This dude is walking behind me right as I have that picture up. And I was like, oh, sorry. And I put the phone down and he comes over and he goes, no, pull that back up. And I said, okay. So I did. And um, smooth. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He's like, you have a really nice butt. And I said, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, And he goes, you want to know something? I saw you on the freeway on the way here. I was like, do you want to know something? I saw you on the freeway, like the whole way here. And I had this sticker in the back of my like center window of my super lesbian truck. I had a a Tacoma. So I like, I had to kind of do the thing. Um, But it said big boobs, just big boobs. That was it. Um, I had a lot of other stickers, but that was the biggest one. You could for certainly read it. So yeah, he he just looks at me and goes, yeah, I saw you on the freeway. All I could think was, I really want to see that girl's big boobs. And I was like, ha ha, you're so funny. Um, and I went over and I told my mini me. I was like, that guy says he wants to see my boobs. And she was drunk. And she was like, yeah, do it. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, like, go get what you need. She's like, you've been needing stuff. Go get what you need. Um, Because my cup had not been filled for several months at this point. I was very in need of something. So I took this man upstairs um, with the full intention of of using him. And I did. And uh, he was okay with that for seven hours. Seven hours. We kept everyone up all night. We were not popular in the house anymore. No one liked us. The next morning I went down and the Helps wife- to be in shape, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marathons wife... don't take seven hours, lady. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's as G-rated as I can keep. <laughs> I think it's pretty really G-rated, like, you know, like, I, yeah, anyway, um, seven hours. And so, yeah, woke up the next morning, so hungover. Oh, man, I was only there for about two hours of those seven hours. We were both completely blackout drunk, obliterated. We thought it only lasted two hours. Everyone else came to inform us, no, you kept everyone up all night. So, yeah, I just looked at the lady host and I was just like, hey, girl. Sorry, I know you probably don't like me right now, but I need you to know I just got everything I needed. And she's like, congratulations. I'm happy for you. And she really wasn't that happy for me. We're Bit great of sarcasm friends. there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're great friends now. Um, she's very happy for our marriage um, and our coming baby. So anyway, um, she's... <laughs> so yeah, we all load up to leave and I'm following 
this guy in my truck all the way down again and I'm just telling my friend about this fantastic night I had and she goes I could hear all of I heard she she was there for more of it than I was and she she told me a lot of things I said that night I apparently was feeling blackout drunk hateful so I was not very nice to him the first night that I met him but we get out of this gate and he pulls off to the side a little bit so that I can pull out you know in front of him and I rolled my window down he didn't even roll his window down he just looked at me and went with like shook the like call me sign and I just looked at him like uh, yeah yeah I'm gonna call you like so come at on. some point you exchanged phone numbers <laughs> Yeah, it was really funny because I had two phones at the time. So I had my ex-husband phone and then I had my new phone and um, I was super drunk. And so I'd put my name in his phone like four times with no number. Um, and he was sober enough to give me his number. And so I ended up texting him and we got that all sorted. I saw him again. We hung out on his porch and I told him my life story and he told me his life story. And we kind of shared life stories a little bit. Because I was just skipping the small talk at this point. I was like, dude, I'm not trying to know what your favorite color is right now. Like, tell me your tell me your shadow stuff. Let me know your darkness right now. Because I need to see if I can even handle this, you know. Um, and yeah, so, you know, the third time that we hung out, we just hung out and we listened to music. And he, you know, he's from Cali and he was putting on all these songs and I was singing them verbatim. And he's like, man, I'm usually the one to like show people these songs and you just know them already. And we started vibing and it actually took I want to say so we met we met in September we're coming up on our anniversary of meeting um it was October 10th so it was just a little short of a month of seeing each other every three days like clockwork um and and the whole time we were just telling each other like this is nothing this is nothing like we're just <laughs> we're having a good time this is nothing I was actually planning on moving out of the state um and so I told him, I was like, dude, this is nothing like I'm, I'm leaving. So I'm just having fun while I'm here and you're just going to have to be okay with that. And he's like, sure, whatever. And then I want to say it was October 10th. <laughs> I, yeah, it was October 10th. And we were just laying there and he's like, we're both kidding ourselves. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm leaving. Like I'm leaving, I'm moving out of the state and nothing is keeping me here. He goes, I know, but do you want to be mine until you break my heart? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, no, I don't want to say that. I was like, no, that sounds awful. I'm like, cause I don't want to break your heart and I don't want to lead you on. But I was like, we'll see how it goes. And that's what got me open to the idea of dating. But this guy had um, inadvertently passed every test that he had no idea I was putting him through. I was just putting him through tests. So I was like, let's see how he handles this. Let's see how he handles this. Let's see how he handles this. Let's see if whoa, he does whoa, this. Whoa, whoa. I can't let that one off the hook. What test? Oh, just like all the awful things that I went through in like my marriage and like in previous relationships and stuff too. Just the way that he treated me. Did he take... I don't want to call it criticism, instruction. Well, if I'm like, this is what I need to feel appreciated, he listened to those things. He opened car doors for me. He was consistent. He made an effort, like hard. I mean, like, of course he was putting in like effort, but he wasn't like, well, I'm going to impress this woman. He was just being himself. He was just being himself. 
and I was just being myself and we literally were like just short of telepathically communicating we were like always on the same page if I was like hey I've been thinking about this he was also thinking about it so yeah it wasn't necessarily that I was over here like you must pass all of these deaths but it's just like everything that I'd ever wanted in a in a guy or in a person you know um all those things that I'd ever looked for he wasn't even like putting in extra effort he was just doing all of those things naturally and so I was like man this guy's like it's kind of hitting all the all the things and so yeah that's I that's why I ended up agreeing to date him and then it came to be that we were all gonna move out of state we were all gonna move out of state together and that's its own story but really what got me open to the idea of dating was being with somebody that it felt natural to be with and he made me feel like I didn't need to see other people so you know like I was very freshly you know (laughs) separated and I was like oh, like I can date around now and I can do this and that or the other. And like, oh, maybe I'm going to see this guy for this. And maybe I'm like dating another guy for this, that or the other. But he just, he filled all the cups. Like he was support supportive, like emotionally. And he was there for me and he would let me like have those hard moments and break down since I was freshly separated and knew that that was hard for me, but not in like, not a weird way. I don't know how to explain that, but he was, he was just that he was there for me and he showed up and he was consistent and he was persistent. It just, his character didn't waver. His character didn't waver at all. There was like no guessing with him. Sometimes I guess what he's going to say and he jokes. Cause he's like, Oh, I got to keep you on your toes. You know, I just, there just was no, like all the guessing was left out of it. And I was so used to walking on eggshells that I think it was just such a relief for me to finally feel, you know, like safe and heard and wanted, honestly, he wasn't even trying. And he just made me feel appreciated and wanted and validated me and all of those fantastic things that, I mean, I'm not that hard to please, but he did it. He did it. And I didn't have to teach him. You know, I didn't have to sit him down and be like, all right, sweetheart, here's how this is going to go. I didn't have to change him. And I started to realize that unlike my ex-husband, I didn't love the idea of my current husband. I loved my current husband for who he was, not this idea of who he could be. That's huge. That's a huge game changer. That was the difference. I I I had to realize that too. It took me almost a month took me almost a month to realize that but the other thing was we had completely opposing schedules he worked from 2 30 in the afternoon until sometimes three o'clock in the morning so sometimes he'd work 12 hour shifts and every three days and I was like a nine to five you know I was very typical nine to five but I was you know doing carpentry we still made it work we still saw each other every three days, like clockwork. Like 
there we just didn't go without we just didn't go without we always made it work we always got to see each other even if it meant us both sacrificing sleep to spend time with each other and I think that that was another big thing was I was like so like I left this guy that I was totally miserable with and I was like the next guy is gonna have to be pretty fantastic and I'm literally losing sleep to spend time with him but I'm quote unquote, not that serious about him. Okay. Like, okay. That's not true. <laughs> so I hope that makes sense. It just, there was a lot of, it was almost like the stars aligned. Felt so like that, the gods wanted it to happen. No. <laughs> that does make sense. And I've, I've seen you and your husband together and yeah, there's definitely a lot of good there. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of playfulness there. Um, <laughs> I think I would be doing you, me, and anyone who listens to this a disservice, though, if I didn't bring up the idea of a rebound, which I'm sure is not a foreign concept. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to bring it up to you. Yeah. Because at this point, you literally, when you met him, you had just gotten divorced, right? I wasn't and, even legally divorced yet. Right. Mind you, the end of that marriage was two years ago. Yep. Right. And now here you are remarried with children. A lot of people would say that you're still on the rebound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I totally have heard that before. It's so funny to me because I, every time I got out of a relationship, every time I was usually not so quick to just jump into another relationship. I was definitely very much like dating around. I compared it to trying ice cream flavors at a shop or trying on different shoes at the store. You got to make sure it feels good before you walk around in them or before you buy them to walk around in them. It was not a very good way of thinking. I don't, I mean, I think I could definitely agree that like, yeah, hundred percent. The intention was rebound. Well, the intention was usage. He was useful to me in the moment that I met him. And that was really the full intention. Well, actually, I don't, I don't even know if I could say that. Cause I like, I wasn't going to this party to like get any, that wasn't like why I was going. I just want, I went as a statement to myself of like, you have your freedom. You're making a choice that you want to go do something and you're going to do it. And I feel like that was also a statement of like why we ended up getting to know each other biblically was because I was like, I can make that choice. You know, I like, I'm, I'm good to make that choice for myself. And my friend helped me make that decision because she's awesome. But yeah, I feel, no, I feel like honestly, if anyone wanted to call it a rebound, I really wouldn't be that mad about it, but I'm going to just, have to combat and say most successful rebound I've ever seen um because usually the like like the honeymoon phase dies off you know and I mean for like my current for my current husband and I we've been through so much in these last two years and it's just it feels like 10 years it feels like 10 years in the best way you know, it's not like I'm exhausted. Oh, it feels like it's been a really long time. I'm like, I hope it continues to feel like that because we've just, we've overcome so much and we've grown so much. 
honestly, like, I feel like with most rebounds, like there's like this honeymoon phase that kind of dies down and they're like, well, I don't actually really like you. Like, oh, you were just there to kind of fill a need for me. And like my husband and I, the same, same thing. Everyone looks at us and they're like, wow, you guys have like the perfect relationship, but we know it's not perfect, but we have only fought twice. We've only had two arguments that escalated to like both people raising voices in two years. Now let's be clear about that. When you say you've only fought twice, are you saying that you've only disagreed twice? No. The beautiful thing is unlike my previous relationship, we disagree on most things, my current husband and I, as most people do because we're different people. Unlike my previous relationship, he and I are able to sit down uh, like adults and discuss it. And sometimes we can come to an amicable term and sometimes we agree to disagree and that's fine. And no one has to yell and no one's feelings have to be hurt and no one has to be abused. It's like, honestly, the two times that we fought have been, one of them was because he was pretty triggered and he started to kind of regress back to some behaviors um, that used to be like kind of his means for survival in his past relationship one of them was I was so heavily triggered and I didn't give myself time to try and process it I came out swinging instead and we were able to sit down after that like adults and apologize to each other and we I mean we've gone through custody battles with the ex we've gone through and breaking my hand and I mean, I could just go on, on, and on, on, and the, oh my gosh, the big one, landlord raising rent $500, and then two weeks later, being or two months later, being evicted from that place, because we were wanting to be moved out of the state at that point, but now we had three kids, so I had to pack up and move three kids, and my current husband, and I, with one month notice. And find a new house that we could afford on one income. And we've never fought. We never fought about that. It just didn't serve us. I think we just both dealt with so much BS in our past relationships of the screaming and the fighting and just knowing it doesn't get you anywhere. It just results in everyone having hurt feelings. And so if we have a time that we seriously need to talk, we're smart about it and we schedule it and we're like this is the subject we're going to emotionally prepare for this subject you know sometimes it, things will get elevated and we will have to just be like hey this is you know this is getting kind of elevated what what can we do to bring it back down and that's just how we talk so it's no it's not that we've never never disagreed on anything and absolutely 100%, I voice my prop, my, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. And he voices his, I don't like this, I don't like that. And we're adults about it. And we respect each other. And um, so I just haven't seen a rebound work like that. <laughs> no, it sounds like you guys are putting in a, a lot of work into, well, and it's completely different, I think, for people who have who've been married, because if you've never been divorced, you have no idea what it's like mm -hmm. because you had this person that you committed everything to, mm -hmm. and then you lost that. And usually mind you, it's not like 
there was some flood that came and took it away. Certainly there are cases, you know, where there's widows and widowers, but yeah. for most of us who've been divorced, it's like, no, no, things had to get to a very, very awful point mm -hmm. just to get to here. And yeah. so new relationships are very much in that context. Mm -hmm. right and so now it's it you don't approach them the same way at yeah. least not if you're smart <laughs> right. Yeah. right maybe if you were living in that victim mentality of oh it was entirely their fault and the next one will just be better okay well then i got news for you you're, yeah. <laughs> you're doomed yeah. to repeat the past yeah. um but i think it, it helps once you start taking ownership of what i did wrong what you did wrong what i expect what they expect yeah. and i think one of the key things you touched on there is this idea of I'm going to be heard and I'm going to make sure you're heard, but we don't necessarily have to fight. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to get to this point where we're hurting each other's feelings to make each to make our points heard. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, we've never fought in front of our kids. We don't fight in front of our kids. We make sure that we uphold the standard of excellence what they, was that like for you? Because you, you specifically said that you didn't want kids. And then you were with this man who you started to develop feelings for, obviously, and an attachment with. I mean, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, you're going to be a mom. <laughs> Here's three kids in the picture. I mean, e even with any relationship, you can love that individual. And, yeah. and feel fantastic about them. When you throw kids into the equation, man, that changes the picture. Yeah. Um, so honestly, it's kind of a beautiful story. And that's again, where I feel like everything happens for a reason. The way that I would put it is I came to find, so I actually, I wasn't allowed to meet the kids until I met the ex. So I wasn't allowed to formally meet the kids. Um, I kind of seen them in passing. And one when thing, you say you I, weren't allowed, uh, this was your your husband's idea or the ex's idea? It was both of them. Um, he respected it. She didn't. So I was the first girlfriend. I was the first girlfriend he had outside of their relationship. And he was the first boyfriend I had outside of my marriage relationship. So we were just the firsts. How long had he been divorced? Less than a year. Okay. So you were both pretty fresh. Yeah. Yeah, we were both, and we were both committed to being single was the thing too, is we were like, no, that that's why we sat there and told each other, this is nothing. This is nothing. Like, no, no, this is nothing. Cause we want, we kind of wanted it to be nothing. You know, we were, we were just kind of sick of our hearts being broken, <laughs> but I met her and I was not impressed. And I can go into that more if you would like, but I feel like that's my husband's story. But yeah, I was just, nope, not impressed. She didn't make life easy on you. No, she, she didn't bug me at all. It was how she treated the children. Ah. Uh. Yeah, she she was swearing like um, she probably would have made a sailor sailor blush at her at her children. She said the C word to a three-year-old. Two, no, he was two. He, he, he wasn't even two. He was a one-year-old. He was just a baby. She said the C word to him. And I was just like, I'm like screaming internally. Um, and that was like the lightest thing that happened that day. 
And so then I was officially allowed to know the kids and it was <laughs> my husband and I had been together for a full so we had been seeing each other for two months fully completely at this point not seeing anybody else and officially together for one whole month still seeing each other every three days before I was allowed to officially meet the kids but and, you were okay with meeting the kids yeah yeah and I was okay with waiting um the only time like schedule wise that we had that coordinated with each other was weekends and that's when he had his kids and I told him I said I am not going to take away from your children's time with you said you are a good That's dad a big thing. you are going to spend your time with your children and once I officially meet them if they want to have a weekend with their dad tell me I will not be here if they want me to be here tell me I will be here I will do anything you want me to do because these kids need you they need a relationship with you and I will never make them or make you pick between me or them. Um, because that's what my, that's what my dad's women did. They step always, the step monsters made my dad choose between the children and her. And that was multiple women that did that. And bless my dad's heart. He always chose the women and it broke my brother and I's heart every time and so I that was something that I felt very deeply I said no that I know I can't do and they were just darling they were absolutely darling and so I went from I'm not gonna be a stepmom I'm not gonna be no stepmom I'm like no I'm like this is nothing to heck yeah weekends if they want me around sure whatever to now I was the one the ex was supposed to plan the 10 year old girls or the oldest girl um she was turning 10 she was supposed to plan her birthday party and didn't do any of it didn't do anything and it was a weekend and it was her 10th birthday and there was nothing planned and I was like I'm throwing a party for this 10 year old and I did I last minute threw everything together. I made her a tiger cake. I, you know, she was like obsessed with tigers at the time and still kind of is. But like, I, I did that for her and she was so thankful and it was so cute. And it was just, I was like, this is amazing. And that was the first day at, at, at her birthday party. There was the first time that my middle son called me mom. And that was like, okay, yeah, I'm a stepmom. Like, I'm going to be a stepmom and it's going to be fine. And so her birthday's in March. So at this point, you know, I'd been kind of weekend stepmom um, from December. You know, I did Christmas with them and that was super fun. Um, we spent Christmas apart. We spent like Thanksgiving apart. And then we came together at the end of um, Christmas day and opened with the kids, um, with me there, but they got to do the whole family thing. And I stayed kind of out of the picture until the very end, like, here's my presence to you guys with their, with their biological mother, who was just bringing dudes in and out all the time. And these dudes were very often not very good to the kids. And so this was different for them. And then, yeah, it was by March, April, end of April, end of April was when we ended up getting full custody of the of the kids it was funny it went from like 
I'm not going to be a stepmom. Uh, okay, I'll be a stepmom, but I'm not putting car seats in my truck. And we're not going to McDonald's. I will not have French fries in this car. Two, okay, car seats are fine. We're still not going to McDonald's. Um, I'm very passionate about McDonald's. I hate it. And then it turned to coming to find out the kind of things that they were experiencing. Their biological mother was a lot like my biological mother. And that lit a fire in me. And I said, I'm going to be these kids only mom. And for 470 days, I have been their only mom. I really hope that a lot of guys get to hear this last bit that we've been talking about, because I think a lot of men are very, very worried about this idea of a new woman around their kids and about even dating as a, as a single dad. It's, it's a beautiful story you just told. It really is. It really is. And uh, my heart, I'm touched. My heart goes out to you guys. It really does. Um, because I, I think a lot of men out there think, what are the odds? Of course it won't happen. There's no way. And even if there is, oh my gosh, it's going to be so awful trying to convince her to go along with this. But here you are, the person who said, no, I don't want kids, to now, not only am I their stepmom, I am the main mothering figure for these children and I'm a better example you're the only mother yeah and you're a better example than they had before yeah and their dad met you and it was this fantastic thing and here you are making it work and remarried and another child on the way and i think it's it's a beautiful thing so other guys out there if you're listening (laughs) it is very possible there's good ones (laughs) At least once, right? <laughs> yeah. As far as as your divorce, and I think I kind of know the answer because you, you mentioned earlier that you still get nightmares sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel you've recovered from that last marriage? Honestly, but, you know, aside from like those like periodic, just kind of weird things that pop up, Um, yes, I do. And honestly, I do have to credit so many people. I think I took the path of least, (laughs) I know, I know I took the path of least resistance and I know I could have fought. I could have fought him for half of his belongings and I could have fought for half of the stuff that I paid for. And I could have fought for this and I could have fought for that. And I was just done fighting. I just didn't want to fight anymore. I had no fight left in me. I mean, I do. I have to give it out to other people. Divorce is traumatic. Divorce is awful. My divorce wasn't even like an ugly breakup. Because honestly, we just walked away. We just like, I just walked away. He got to keep his life and I got to go start my new life. And... I just, you know, it was very, it was very civil, probably because I just didn't want to fight. I was like, whatever, whatever you want, dude, I don't care. I'll just sign papers. So yeah, I don't know. I do feel like I'm, I like, I know I'm recovered from it because it just, it wasn't as traumatic as some people's divorces are. And just so I really do, I have to like send my heart out to people who 
do go through traumatic divorces and you know people like my current husband were like honestly my divorce doesn't even get brought up it's almost like it didn't happen it was just like yeah whatever you know I still have the document it's a joke it's it's two pages it's a joke you know then we have you know my my husband's and (laughs) it's like 40 pages long and we're on the 18th modification of it and still in an ongoing battle and it's years I know I'm recovered but I know that it takes people a really long time to recover and I know that if I had probably if I had been petty and I had and I tried to fight for all these things through that relationship that I would have ended up not meeting my current husband Looking at all of this, mind you, because all of this kind of started, at least from the first marriage back in uh, 2019, and now here you are four years later, and looking at all the ups and downs, twists and turns, and maybe even earlier, what what have you learned? How are you better? How are you wiser? I'm sure there's a lot, but maybe yeah. pick a few highlights. Yeah, I'll pick some highlights. Um, one of the biggest things was, um, I think you touched on it just a little bit, but honestly, making sure that you vocalize those concerns in a peaceful manner because passive aggressiveness you know like you definitely see those like catty relationships where like oh it's just he can't help but when he does this and it and it drives me nuts and it's you know it's like that's not serving anyone talk to that person in private when it's just the two of you and let you know, you know, and like anything that he's ever done that bothers me, I'm like, I love you so much. This drives me nuts. What are we going to do? And there's some things, man, I just have to deal with it. (laughs) I just have to deal with it. And same thing for him. You know, one of the other big things is know each other's love language. There's a lovely book on it. Read it, learn it, learn your love language. And one of the biggest things that my current husband and I expressed to each other in the beginning when we were starting to get really serious in our relationship was he said, I require this and this to feel loved. And that's it. He said, fantastic. I require this and this. And he said, fantastic. And so he knows my most basic needs. Basic needs. He was meeting those unintentionally. But that's what I needed to feel loved. And so he knows, even on our worst week, he knows my basic needs that I need to feel loved and vice versa. And so not that we're a family of bare minimums over here. We do everything a hundred, but we do know what the bare minimum is. And we've even come to start to learn our children's love languages. And boy, that makes a difference. And So there's a lovely book. Go read it. I didn't know anything about my ex that way. I didn't know his love language. And he didn't know mine. But even then, my current... So my my, my love language is um, physical touch. Physical touch and affection. I'm still trying to figure out the other one. Kind of like it kind of switches on the day. But I'm like, I need to find my other dominant one. But his kind of secondary one is physical touch. And so it's kind of funny because I am all about physical touch all the time, all the time. And he, so I found this out very early in the relationship. We were at a restaurant, we were eating and I just went to put my hand on his leg 
just like that. And he just stops and he put his stuff down and he looks at me and goes, don't touch me when I eat, please. And I said, oh, okay. So I don't. And I respect it. That was a no. So that's like the no, no zone. Don't do that. Um, I'm going to ask you about that because I've heard similar things said. Did that bother you when he said that? didn't offend it was absolutely fine it's not a sign that the relationship is falling apart why should someone's <laughs> truth offend you that was his truth he doesn't want to be touched when he's eating we're eating very minimally out of the day that we're spending time together the other one that's kind of hard is sometimes he just doesn't want to be touched just sometimes just kind of depends on the day you know and sometimes he'll get home from work and he doesn't want to be touched and it's me and three kids berating him with physical touch and he is just about to lose it and I'll come over and I'll hug him and I go hi honey and he's like hi and I'm like oh it's one of those days okay um I don't say that verbally um but I um, will, I will keep my space. I will keep my space and I will respect him on those days Um, because his energy tells me today's a no touchy day, no touchy. And I have to be okay with that. And I can, you know, I can feel love in other ways. I had a heart. I was offended by that the first couple times. And then I had to tell myself the exact same thing. Why should I be offended by his truth? You know, maybe my love language is words of affirmation. Maybe when I'm crying, I don't want to just be told you're pretty. Okay. Like that just feels inauthentic and I don't want it right then and there. It's not the time. So I have to respect that maybe right now isn't the time for the touchy touchy. So so if that makes sense. We've talked about growth. That's a huge one. I've talked to other people who they were very, very bothered by the fact that this other person was not just accepting of the physical touch in the moment they were giving it. And it's like, okay, not everybody wants to be touched always, all the time. Not everybody's the same. That doesn't mean they don't love you. (laughs) You Right. And honestly, that's something, I mean, if you can help it, don't be with somebody who refuses to speak your love language. If your love language is physical touch, And you are with somebody who hates physical touch and doesn't ever want to do it ever. You're signing yourself up for a relationship that you're going to feel unloved the whole time. You will feel empty the whole time. And so it just doesn't, you know, it's what it boils down to is, are you either going to be with that person or is that person going to agree to love you the way that you want and need to be loved right right and there should be limits too right like let's say you know one person's is uh what's the other one acts of service yeah right and okay cool i'm all about doing acts of service that said i want my downtime once in a while Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to be doing everything you want all the time but that can be like you're saying you can sit down you can communicate you can have a conversation and say all right what's expected I know this is what you want. This is what I'm willing to give. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? Yep. Right. Yeah. Along those lines. And so that's one of the other like pivotal things that I've learned is just don't take someone's truth to offense. 
don't know their love language, know your love language, speak it fluently and speak it verbally. Communication is everything, not just talking. Talking and hearing, it's very important. Sometimes you don't hear with your ears. Sometimes you hear with your heart and sometimes you hear with empathy. And so, you know, there may be days where I'm having an issue and I'm saying, this is my problem. And empathetically, that's not my problem. Something bigger is my problem. That's the big one about communication. And even if it's like, even if it's sitting down and just being like, hey, you know, I know you're saying this is the problem, but I think it's something bigger. Do you need some time to figure that out? I've I've said pretty much that verbatim to my husband and that was I think I want to say that was in like one of the two arguments we've been in. I was like I don't think this is what it is. Do you need some time for this? I'm like because this is just not it's not helping either of us right now. And even like our one argument that one argument didn't even last like 20 minutes. Cuz after I said that he cooled it and he's like, yeah, that wasn't about you. That wasn't about you at all. I think also just knowing, you know, don't take everything so personally. And I think that was the problem with like my previous marriages. I didn't take anything personally. There was a lot of things that I should have taken personally. And just not, just to be leery of going too far of, from one side to the other, you know, it's not all black and white. So, right. so right. yeah. I'd have to so, say those are probably the biggest things I've learned. If you could go back to and talk to you then a couple years ago when you were at that low point, the relationship is ending and you've packed up your stuff, right? It's like obviously very low. You've been terrified. You've been scared. You're having nightmares. What would you say to yourself? You have no idea how well this is all going to go. Just... That's it. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. And I think it would probably include something along the lines of you're finally going to get what you deserve. And I don't think that it, like, I feel like sometimes that can sound kind of like intimidating. <laughs> you're going to get what you deserve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would tell myself for sure. So I, I think you've been pretty expressive about this, but I have to, I have to ask, how do you feel about your future right now? Oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it has never looked so bright. I've never been surrounded by so many beautiful people in my life. And I have such a mission in my life and such a capability of lifting others and encouraging others. And I, you know, just the people I'm surrounded by now, I just feel like we have completely rooted out any negativity and anyone in our association who's just not committed to winning. And not just like winning in work, not just winning in a race, but winning in marriage, winning in parenting. We just want to win in everything and not in a competitive way. I don't want my success or my winning to take away from others. I'm going to be like, well, my marriage is successful. So yours can't be. It's just silly. So um, I feel fantastic about our future. I know 
that my husband and I are going to help so many people and we're going to help heal so many marriages and we're going to help heal so many broken families and we're going to, you know, and that starts with us. That starts with our, you know, our broken pieces that we've put back together and our broken families pieces that we are still putting back together. Um, and like that even goes to my parents. My husband and I have taken it kind of, I don't want to say taken it upon ourselves, but it's one of our missions in life to bless my parents and his parent and, you know, give them back their lives and, you know, give them more. And so, yeah, just beautiful. Just feels so great about it. That's awesome. It's never looked so bright. <laughs> A lot of my questions are really just to stick it back in the faces of the, whoever wrote those articles I had to write or I had to write papers on in college. <laughs> how miserable you are like no look at all these people that are happy and they're glad they got out of those relationships <laughs> okay last question okay what do you wish your kids your friends your family what do you wish they knew about your story wow That's a really hard question to answer. Um, it's a hard one. That's my capstone. That's yeah, the one I, I like to end on. Because <laughs> honestly, there's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. I just, there's, there's so many things that I go through teaching my children that I'm like, you guys do not do this. And it's not just because I said so. It's from experience because, you know, these things could happen and, you know, my children have endured abuse and I have endured abuse and we're learning to have a voice and we are learning to stand up for what we believe in. That's so that my children can understand and just know that like abuse is not normal. Like that's not okay. And I don't want them to go like how I did and wait until you're already in an abusive marriage to find out this isn't normal. You don't just go around being abused by everybody. And I know that that starts with us in the home. And so about my story, I wish the biggest thing I wish they knew is that I'm not kidding, <laughs> that I'm seriously serious. And um, I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And for my friends and my family, I just, I hope they know that none of it holds me back from being who I am. And that I did endure a lot, but it was all for purpose. It was all for something. And I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. There's more for me. So that's probably what I would, what I'd end with. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, you are only 26, you said, right? So... <laughs> I'm not done you've, yet. <laughs> you've done plenty at 26, just to be clear. But yeah, no, there's still <laughs> still plenty to go. Yeah, I I, I plan on living well. <laughs> well, Kira, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, we'll go ahead and cut this out here. And uh, yeah, you've been fantastic. I 